When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is Rams Up, your favorite LA Rams podcast. We are proud members of the Fans First Sports Network. That's fansfirstsports.com. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our channel is at LA Rams Up. I'm your host, Mark. You'll hear from my co-host, Tom, on occasion as well. Hey, we're not Rams insiders. We're just longtime fans who love talking about our Los Angeles Rams. Let's get to it. Welcome to our Rams Rehash episode. We've had a night to sleep on it. Some additional thoughts on the Rams' 26-25 win over the New York Giants. We're also going to talk about what the Rams' playoff situation is. We'll do a little loop around the league, focusing on the important games, the impactful ones. Right off the bat, we should mention, we all saw this coming, Lucas Haversick, released by the Rams, really had no choice, right? And they're bringing back Brett Maurer. I would assume this is a one-game tryout for Maurer. Man, Rams got to get this sorted out before that wildcard game. And Sean McVay also announcing that Alaric Jackson will be rejoining the team. The personal issue that caused him to miss the Giants game was due to a family matter, and it will be up to Jackson if he wants to share that. Now, I'd mentioned in our recap episode, Joe Noteboom was handed a game ball by Sean McVay and... Their pro football focus grades maybe explain why he got a 90.6 pass blocking grade from pro football focus and Kyron Williams, a 76 grade pass blocking. And we saw that in the game, Kyron laying out linebackers. He is such a complete player. Some other notable grades, Kobe Turner, 92.2, Aaron Donald, 91, Steve Avila, high grade, 85.1, Kevin Dotson, 83.7, and Darion Kendrick had that pass breakup in the end zone, also scored a high grade, 80.2. Other high grades go to Rob Havenstein and Tyler Higby. You know how that game wrapped up at the end? You almost got to think the Rams might be a team of destiny. You got to realize how close we came to losing that game twice, actually. That two-point conversion, the Giants totally blew that. That should have been two points in the bag and the Rams are down. And then Mason Crosby missing that field goal. And you got to throw some criticism at the Giants. Should have been much more aggressive at the end there. Try to pick up a few extra yards. But the Rams are the beneficiary of that conservative approach. So not complaining here. Let's take a look at some stats of note where we are right now. Kobe Turner, nine sacks. Needs a half a sack to break Aaron Donald's Ram rookie record for a defensive tackle. Brian Young, seven sacks now, so combined 16 sacks from our two rookies. 
Puka Nakua needs four receptions to break the rookie reception record and 29 yards to break the rookie receiving record. And Kyron Williams leads the league in rushing yards per game, 95.3. Got to start thinking about what the Rams' approach will be next week. We'll talk about that at the roundtable. Should the Rams rest Cooper Cup, Puka, Kyron Williams, maybe even Matthew Stafford? I suspect they'll start out the game with their starters and see how it goes. I'm not certain what their approach should be, but I don't see Sean McVay backing off too much in a game with a divisional rival like the 49ers. And the Niners will probably be resting guys like Christian McCaffrey, at least if they're wise, they will be. Remember what happened to the Chargers last year? Ran with Mike Williams in a meaningless game, and he was lost for the playoffs, and the Chargers were one and done. Of course, they had that big lead on the Jags. They should have put that game away with or without Mike Williams. But really tough call for head coaching this time of year. What do you do week 18 when the game means very little or absolutely nothing? Hey, when I handed out my kudos, I should have mentioned Deshaun Johnson. He made a big play there. Need guys to start stepping up. Mr. Irrelevant starting to contribute. And I'm still really concerned about our secondary, and that's why I'm not thrilled about playing a team like the Giants. Although the Cowboys with C.D. Lamb, they present a problem as well. Over the last five games, the Rams gave up an 80-yard touchdown pass to the Giants. They gave up 45 and 35-yard touchdown passes to the Saints. A 29-yard touchdown pass to the Commanders. 54 and 46-yard touchdown passes to the Ravens, and that doesn't count plus the 21-yard touchdown pass on that third and 16 play to Zay Flowers, and they give up a 24-yard touchdown pass to the Browns. But this problem seems to be getting worse. Not calling this a bend, but don't break defense at this point. Now, I know a lot of people are handing the Offensive Rookie of the Year award to C.J. Stroud. Puka's going to get some votes. He really has to. His play has not dropped off. C.J. Stroud missed a couple of games, played pretty well. This past week, 24 for 32 for 213 yards and one TD as the Texans thumped the Titans 26-3. But if Puka does win this award, he will be the fifth Ram, joining Eric Dickerson, Jerome Bettis, Todd Gurley, and Sam Bradford. The Rams would join the Vikings and the Lions as the only teams with five offensive rookies of the year. And a couple of late-breaking injury updates. Tyler Higby dislocated his left shoulder against the Giants, and Jordan Fuller sprained his ankle. The Rams will evaluate both of them this week. I'd assume they're going to be scratches against the 49ers. Sure would be nice to see them. Hopefully, they'll both be good to go by the time we get to Wild Card Weekend. And no, I have not heard an update on Bobby Brown. Hoping he's good to go, too. We'll probably find out more about that Tuesday. Let's try to get our arms wrapped around this NFC playoff situation as it applies to the Rams. If the Rams win, they beat the 49ers, they're the sixth seed. That's all there is to it. Now the Packers grab the seventh seed if they also win. If they lose, could open the door for the Seahawks. Seahawks could move in and take that seventh seed. And there are also scenarios where the Vikings could get in as well. And the Saints. But both of those scenarios, very unlikely. Falcons and Bucks get in as divisional winners only. So if they get in, it'll be as four seats and would not be an opponent of the Rams in the first round, the wild card round. 
Now, if the Rams lose and the Packers win, Rams drop to the seventh seed and the Packers take the sixth seed. And the story is over for everybody else. So two out of those three scenarios, the Rams are the sixth seed and the Packers are the seventh seed. But I would still say there's a pretty darn good chance the Rams end up as the seventh seed. If they lose to the 49ers, very possibly could be the case. So let's keep that in mind as we look at the top end of this bracket. Potential opponents for the Rams in the wild card round, the Eagles, Cowboys, and Lions. All three of them with 11 and 5 records. The Lions will be the two or the three seed. The Eagles and Cowboys, they could be the two, three, or drop all the way to the five. If the Cowboys win, pretty simple. The Cowboys are the two seed, the Lions are the three seed, and who the Rams play would depend on where they end up, the six or seven seed. I'm going to say the most complex situation for last. If the Cowboys lose and the Eagles win while the Lions are losing, the Eagles are the two seed, the Lions are the three seed. If the Cowboys lose and the Lions win while the Eagles are losing, the Lions are the two seed and the Eagles are the three seed. And if all three of those teams lose, same situation as if they all won, Cowboys the two seed, Lions the three seed. But what if the Cowboys lose and the Eagles and Lions win? The Cowboys would drop all the way to the five seed. And the Eagles, based on my research, would grab the number two seed while the Lions are the three seed. And that tiebreaker gets really complex, goes all the way to strength of victory, which would be in the Eagles' favor. So in a nutshell, Rams could play any one of these three teams. First reaction is the Eagles and Cowboys are going to go in and win their games. Eagles at New York Giants, Cowboys at the Commanders. But hey, crazier things have happened, right? The Lions hosting the Vikings, and the Vikings have a little glimmer of hope Maybe they come in and play hard and win that game. But the most likely scenario is all three of these teams win. The Cowboys get the two seed, the Lions the three seed. Now, whether the Rams end up at the six or seven seed, Cowboys or Lions, who would you rather play? You know, everybody wants that Stafford versus Goff matchup in Detroit. That Lions offense really scares me, especially the way our secondary has been playing. The Cowboys are beatable. I'm telling you, they are beatable. You just need to lock down C.D. Lamb a little bit and pound the rock against this Cowboys defense. It can be done. Kyron Williams and this offensive line could get it done. I think the Cowboys game would be a little bit low scoring. The Rams could pull it out. The Rams at Detroit, there could be a lot of offensive fireworks. Maybe we get a win there, but I don't know. Yeah, Stafford versus Goff in Detroit is really attractive. Not sure which scenario I prefer, though. I'm kind of leaning towards taking down the Cowboys in Dallas. How sweet would that be? Now, if the Rams win as the seventh seed, you know where they're headed. Santa Clara to play the 49ers. If they win as the sixth seed, probably the same story. Probably still heading to Santa Clara unless the seventh seed Packers or Seahawks. Unless the Packers or Seahawks as the seventh seed knock off one of these three teams we're talking about, Eagles, Cowboys, Lions, and that could happen as well. And there's a chance the Rams could end up playing in Philadelphia, a very slim chance. And the downside of that is, number one, it would be outdoors. Number two, very difficult place to play, but I think the Rams could win there as well.
Now I'm not going to do a full loop around the league, but I did want to talk about some games, a few games that were quite interesting and impactful. Let's start with that Saturday night game. Cowboys 21, Lions 20, and this really came down to the debacle at the end there. Great game, great performances. CeeDee Lamb putting on a show, Jared Goff rallying his team for a what looked like a tying, possibly winning touchdown. And then it comes down to that snafu at the end. And what are you going to do about that? It's really tough. Now, I watched this several times. Now, if you watch Taylor Decker as he approaches the ref to report, the other guy, skipper number 70, had already reported. He had just entered the game. Decker, however, walked over from the huddle to report. And the other tackle, Sewell, kind of unintentionally runs interference in between Decker and the head ref there. Now, Decker was apparently told to simply say reporting to the referee. And if that's what he said, I think Sewell just kind of got in the way of that communication there. And the ref runs over there, tells the Cowboys that number 70 is reporting as eligible and announces the same. So obviously a breakdown here. Now, Decker probably needs to be more emphatic in his reporting, but you know, at the same time, you don't want to make a big stir about it and draw attention to the fact that you are eligible to the Cowboys. But on the other hand, the whole point of reporting is so that the defense knows that you are eligible and it wouldn't be fair to the Cowboys for them to run that play without knowing that Decker was eligible. So it really comes down to the ref and Decker not syncing up, Decker not being sure that the ref knew he was reporting as eligible and I still say, if you go back and watch that, I'm not sure why Sewell walked over there, but he hindered that communication unintentionally. Really bad look for the NFL. Not sure what the fix is. You know, lesson learned. I think the next time an offense runs a play similar to that, the players reporting as eligible will make darn sure that the ref knows that's what they're doing. And here's another thought. When the ref did not announce Decker as being eligible, the Lions should have recognized that, hey, this play is not going to work. It's going to be illegal. Goff might have recognized that. Perhaps they would have called a timeout if they had one. Lions clearly in a bind there. Would Goff possibly throw to someone other than 68, knowing that it's going to be an illegal play? I don't know. That, that's a tough call for a quarterback to make in that situation. And here's one more thought on this whole thing. Typically, what a team does is they run an extra tackle, a third tackle out there who declares himself as eligible. I have no problem with that. What the Lions did was a little bit sleight of hand, though, and you could argue violates the spirit of this rule. They were leaving the regular left tackle out there, running an extra right tackle out there. So you have three offensive linemen to the right of the center, two offensive linemen to the left of the center, but they're declaring both of those guys, the regular left tackle and the extra right tackle, as eligible. Maybe, just maybe, that shouldn't be legal. Maybe the five interior offensive linemen are always ineligible, whether they're uncovered or not. If you want to run an extra tackle out there, so you have six offensive linemen, that last tackle, whichever Andy happens to be on, he can declare as eligible but you can't declare two of these guys as eligible. I'm sure some of you old-time football guys have a problem with that. Maybe there's a hole in my plan and my strategy of taking care of this problem, but, but 
Seems like it would be an improvement over what we have now. Thursday night, Browns 37, Jets 20, Browns punch their playoff ticket. Maybe Joe Flacco is the answer after all. Three TDs over 300 yards passing. Browns are now 4-1 and one with him as a starter. His only loss coming to the Rams. Now this team hangs their head on defense. So if Flacco can just play respectable football, this team has a shot against anybody really. Well, almost anybody. Not sure they can handle a team like the Ravens, but hey, they'll have a shot. One of the better defenses in the league. And what the heck is going on in Philadelphia? They opened December 10-1. and 1. They now stand at 11-5. and 5. And if they get to the NFC Championship game, they very well could have to travel across the country and play at San Francisco after losing to the Cardinals 35-31, to 31, giving up 14 unanswered fourth quarter points. Cardinals have not had a great year, but they've had some signature wins, haven't they? Only four wins, but they have beaten the Cowboys, Steelers, and now the Eagles. Maybe the Cardinals are on the rise. Maybe they're going to roll with Kyler Murray. And how about the Ravens? They fly across the country and beat the 49ers on their home turf, come back to Baltimore and dispatch of the Dolphins, perhaps the second best team in the AFC, 56-19. Wow, a thumping. They scored 21 points in the second quarter and 21 points in the fourth quarter. Lamar Jackson, impeccable. He's got to be the MVP. He pretty much locked that up. What a performance by the Ravens. You know, right now, if you're doing your power rankings, the Ravens are number one, and then everybody else. And it makes that Rams performance in Baltimore even more impressive, taking that team into overtime. You know, I don't like to get caught in that trap of, hey, we beat Team B and Team B beat Team C, so therefore we are way better than Team C. But look what the Saints did to the Bucs one week after the Rams pretty much dominated the Saints. They go into Tampa Bay. The Bucs have a chance to lock up their fourth straight NFC South title, and the Saints offense gets rolling. Derek Carr has a really good game, 24 for 32 for 197 yards and two TDs. Now, the Bucks. hopefully they're not thinking, hey, we can beat the Panthers next week and lock this up. This game isn't that important. If that's the case, man, that's a big risk to take. Tampa Bay will probably get it done, but if they lose next week, Tampa Bay would miss the playoffs entirely. I'm not going to go over the rest of these games, but I'll try to summarize the playoff picture. In the AFC, the Ravens, Dolphins, Chiefs, and Browns are all in. Currently, the Jags, Bills, and Colts holding those remaining spots, but the Texans and Steelers are in hot pursuit. The winner of that Texans-Colts game will be in the playoffs. Steelers need to beat the Ravens and a few other things to happen to sneak in. And the Jags are in a little bit of a precarious situation. If they lose to the Titans, they could end up outside looking in as well. In the NFC, it really comes down to those five bubble teams chasing two spots, you got the NFC South teams, the, the Bucks, Saints, and Falcons, and then and then of course the Seahawks, Packers, and real small chance the Vikings, all chasing a potential final wildcard spot. We'll come back later this week. We'll have a round table for sure. This is going to be a really interesting one. Ian, Paul, and Tom sharing their thoughts on the state of the Rams, what their plan might be Sunday against the 49ers. 
and I'll have my game picks. Went 12 and 4 last week. Will someone please stop me from picking the Chargers? I don't know why I keep on doing that. Week 18 game picks are going to be pretty tricky, though, but I'll give it my best shot, and we'll have my power rankings as well. Number one, Baltimore Ravens. Number two, San Francisco 49ers. Number three, probably the Buffalo Bills. After that, it is quite a mess, but I'll give it my best shot. And of course, we'll try to have a crossover with a 49er podcaster and my 49er Ram preview as well. All of that over the rest of this week. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.